Hello and welcome to season four of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling more confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TVD Conference. The theme this season is the real future of work. What's really going on with the world of work under the hood? What's changing? What's not being said? We're checking assumptions, checking in on ourselves and also the future. I spoke with an amazing array of people from Dan Pink to Harvard University professors, TikTok superstars, data specialists and generational experts, all live on Twitter spaces. What follows is a recording of that space, so it's more conference call than podcast booth. Sponsors are incredibly important to me, and I am proud to say Ecology are back, and they planted a tree for every live listener we had. We're over 15,000 trees in the TBD forest now, and you can start planting your own over at ecology.com. That's spelled E-C-O-L-O-G-I dot com. Workplace by Meta also came on board this season. Their familiar features help everyone work together in new ways and whatever you bring to work to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. Check it out. It's very, very cool indeed. Make sure you never miss a moment of Mouthwash by signing up for the newsletter over at mouthwashshow.com. And you can also get a text alert over at mouthwash.norby.live. Very handy for busy people. Check out all those links in the description too. As with all good podcasts, please share it on a network you trust and leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Please enjoy the show. All right. Hello and welcome to season four of Mouthwash. Fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator. Season four of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TBD Conference. The conference attendees say is like Ted without the bullshit. We're flipping it up this season. We're live Tuesdays through Thursday. You get the same amount of mouthwash just spread over the middle of the week. It's a reflection of the times and changing world of work. uh, And it's the theme for this season of mouthwash, the real future of work. This season, we're exploring what's working, what's not. We're checking assumptions, checking in on ourselves and also the future. I want to know what's really going on under the surface, where it's all going, and how we're going to get there. I have an amazing cohort of people joining me this season, from multiple best-selling authors like Dan Pink, Gretchen Rubin, to uh, brand new startups who are changing new models for the metaverse. Um, I'm also discussing the future with experts from Harvard University, behavioral psychologists, to TikTok superstars. Uh, check out the full lineup and previous episodes of Mouthwash always over at mouthwashshow.com. Always one, always one word, mouthwashshow.com. Uh, I'm proud to say we are sponsored again this season, this time by the folks over at Workplace by Meta. Whatever you bring to work to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. Their familiar features help everyone work together in new ways. To make your place of work a great place of work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. That's workplace.com forward slash human. Check it out. All very cool indeed. Ecology are also back and they plant a tree for every live listener in the TBD forest that we get over the season. We're at 1500 trees so far. Um, If you are looking to reduce your or your business's carbon footprint, head over to ecology.com and start planting your forest today. Um, Now is also a great time to share the space. So if you click the blue plus button on the bottom right hand side of your screen, you'll tell the world you found something good. As I mentioned, everyone you get into the space means another tree in the world. And I think you'll agree that's no bad thing. If you want to ask a question, just DM me or use the mouthwash show hashtag mouthwash show or one word and I'll pick it up from there. Um, Okay, so the guest tonight joining me tonight from New York City is none other than Hector Colonas. Hector is a flex workspace technologist, which is just a clever way of saying that he gets to work with a ton of different people and technologies that support, run, market and connect thousands of flexible workspaces around the world. 
Um, he's created and curates the Week in Coworking. That's the Bible of the co-working world and also the world's biggest research repository about co-working. Um, he founded Included.co, which is a perks-based sort of company. Um, he also co-founded Syncaroo, that's S-Y-N-C-A-R-O-O.com, um, and they automate repetitive workflows. So they help drive revenue for flexible workspaces. Um, as you can already tell, many pies, many fingers, but many co-working spaces as well. Uh, welcome to Mouthwash Hector. What did I miss out from the intro? Uh, nothing. Um, that was fantastic. And thanks for having me. Uh, oh. It's good to be here. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I start. I asked this from everyone. What was the first thing you and you woke up this morning that you thought of? Oh, all, all the meetings I had today. <laughs> and then I get to finish it with, you know, a, a lovely chat here on, on Twitter Space is my first one here. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely uh, front of mind first thing out of bed. Oh, this is your first Twitter space. Well, welcome. I'm glad. This is one of the uh, one of the shows sort of uh, style. Other times it can just be sort of like people having a chat in their front room. So a bit, bit different, but equally fun. I think you'll admit. Um, this season's all about the future of work. I think I may know the answer already, but what's your current um, work situation when it comes to, uh, you know, your every day? Are you back to an office? Has it always been remote? Is it just new day, new, uh, what do you call it, co-working space? Uh, yeah, so it's a bit, a bit of everything. Um, right now I am calling in from my, my desk at home. Um, I'm nearby because my little one just started uh, daycare. So I'm just nearby uh, to pick him up in case he doesn't sleep well. But um, that highlights one of the benefits of this whole shift to flex workspaces. People get to pick where they're going to work based on what's happening in their life. Um, so that's where I am. Um, often you'll find me in a co-working space or connected to a co-working space or pitching co-working spaces, but you can also find me at a coffee shop or at, um, uh, my, my home. Um, that, that's, I guess the, the, the benefit of flex, right? That, that you get, you get to pick where you want to work from based on today's priorities. Yeah. I, th I think I've been, um, remote working before I even knew it was called remote working, um, for about 10 maybe a bit more years because we had a weird office when I was at Mindshare. But um, it was certainly an interesting sort of like nuance when it became a thing. Um, but I, I love working cafes. I don't know why. I think it's a, I'm a people observer and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I had, when we were locked down and everything like that, definitely missed sort of going out and being a part of different sort of um, environments and that sort of stuff. But I did notice the shift when uh, you go back and you sort of see people hugging walls and sort of avoiding people and that sort of thing. So very, very interesting sort of times. Um, we're going to talk about co-working in general. Um, we've got to mention WeWork. I'm sure that will come up. And then the future of where it's all going as well. But before I dive in, um, let's talk about sort of the period we've sort of gone through, um, either personally or professionally. What's been your biggest learning over the last two or three years? Oh, biggest learning is how resilient sort of small indie up spaces were um there are something like 10 to fifteen thousand co-working spaces worldwide um i've just been fascinated by how communities have banded together to support the people who run um co-working spaces in smaller cities maybe in bigger cities but are independently owned and run um i was really worried going into into the kind of pandemic thinking you know how are these folks gonna gonna keep their doors open um and their communities really came in and came through for them. And that was just been fascinating to see, um, seeing the way these kind of people put together, you know, support, whether virtually or, you know, in parking lots or um, in all these different ways, just to give 
peer support and and a human touch to people who felt disconnected after working in these kind of communities for so long. Oh, that's interesting. You, you mentioned the C word there, community. I want to talk about that a bit later. But let's talk mm. about co-working in general. Um, roughly how bad or good is it for them right now? I'd assume they're still hurting from the pandemic, but I also hope they're seeing an uptick. Uh, I mean, it depends where, right? Um, the, the world is a, a very wide place and there is co-working spaces almost in every, every corner of it. Um, what we are seeing across the board is new forms of demand. Uh, we're seeing corporate co-workers, we're seeing government co-workers, we're seeing governments actually sponsor and give access to their, their entire employee base, um, both in Europe and across the US. Uh, we're seeing um, create the, the, the boom in the creator economy. More and more people create, going from sort of uh, uh, people who are taking in content to creating content, to creating products, to creating digital offerings. Um, that boom, that shift to freelance, the great resonation, all these shifts are creating needs for people to find their communities, for people to find space, people to get out of the house. Um, all along, you know, the, the underlying or under under uh, current of people don't want to commute anymore. People don't want to commute into big cities. People want, you know, they want to work um, in the office maybe a couple of days, but they don't necessarily want to work from home the rest. So finding a co-working space or a, a neighborhood space nearby really um, is changing the, the, the market uh, impact on co-working spaces both in big cities and all around the rural rural countryside um smaller cities and in commuter towns mm. do you have any data about sort of the shifts that have happened have um you know 12 percent shut down or something like that any, anything to sort of give an idea of how the market's expanded or contracted recently i mean in this the newsletter that went up this morning we did see an eight point uh, something percent drop let me just put it up it, it was a 8.7 percent drop in denver alone um over the pandemic now that is pretty reflective i would guess um across most of these sectors especially in big cities or in the, uh, the central business districts um but that's also due to the fact that we saw some really interesting strategic moves happening we saw breather close all their locations uh, halfway through the pandemic, or halfway through the pandemic so far, um, we that you know took a a huge quantity of number of spaces off the market, but not a huge square footage. Uh, we also saw WeWork restructure. We saw IWG expand. Um, we are seeing uh, you know just this morning in the newsletter as well. There was a a funding round to add another five hundred locations to a new network. Um, so really. Although there were some dips, I think it's coming back with a vengeance, um, for sure. Um, CBRE data shows about 86% of companies plan to use flexible space. And I want to talk about the difference between flexible space and co-working, because there is a difference, uh, which I learned. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but they, they're showing that it is a key part of their real estate strategies in the future. Um, I think they surveyed just under eight, uh, 100 companies uh, and they were from around the globe pretty big um, but flex space is different right to co-working the difference seems to be dedicated kitchen areas is that right or is there more to it oh i think there is more to it i mean it all depends on who you ask right um someone would say that 
WeWork is co-working, someone would say it isn't. Um, the, the characteristic that I like to give as a good way of seeing it is a co-working space usually has a charismatic community manager who is focused on creating more community-centric activities within the space, um, as opposed to a flexible workspace where it's amenitized, there's a lot of extra amenities, but uh, it is more about the fact that it's for a specific company, it's sectioned into private offices maybe mostly, um, but that is a very general uh, description. I believe that co-working falls under the flex space banner, um, but not every flex space is a co-working space. Oh, okay. I think I get the difference and that's the thing. I probably have to draw that for myself before I get it. Um, I'm biased because I use them a lot, but Fora seem to uh, have co-working down pretty well, right? Blazing fast broadband, cafe, USP on wellness, lots of interesting events with different people, different walks of life, different times, and a keen eye on design. Um, what's the research showing us about why people choose one co-working space over another? And has it changed recently? I think it's constantly changing, but it all comes down to, firstly, why are they using the space in a general term? Is it on a, on a company basis? Is it uh, provided by an employer? Or have they got the freedom to choose? Um, in the second bucket, it's also down to how that access is given. If an employer is giving their employees access to co-working spaces through an app like an Upflex, a Dasana, a DeskPass, then their options are going to be based on how those apps work and how they're they're discoverable, how spaces are discoverable through them. Um, but often what we're finding is people use systems like that to figure out where they feel most comfortable for specific pieces of work and then jump between spaces based on that. Whereas pre-pandemic, pre-craziness, um, folks would find one space that they kind of uh, became a, a, a member of, a, a, a basis of, um, but increasingly we're seeing people jump between spaces based on what they're doing throughout the, the day, the week, what they've got to do, um, what deadlines they have and what time they need to, uh, to access the space. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that now people may have more than one co-working space, is that right? So they're paying two lots of membership versus before where most people would have one and it was probably close to the home or something like that? Um, I don't think they're paying more. I think it's either they just changed the way that they're procuring the space, either through an app which gives them multiple access points um, or so they, they pay one fee and they go to different brands or one brand with multiple locations. Um, or yeah, there, there's still a lot of folks who have their home space um, and those spaces have reciprocal uh, agreements through maybe a co-working alliance or some other uh, initiative to allow them to allow their members to hop into other spaces uh, and vice versa. Got it. So it's more sort of the power may have shifted slightly towards these aggregator type apps, which are um, there are five seats available at the Westbrook uh, WeWork or uh, the coffee shop around the corner has got a space and that sort of thing. So those are the, the platforms that people sort of have found during the pandemic. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say the power has shifted completely to them. I think it's a growing force for specific subsets of co-working users, uh, especially employer employees of larger enterprises, where 
it's not about who pays for it, but it's about how billing is centralized across many, many operators. Um, that's where we're seeing huge shifts into these aggregators because thousands of employees can use tens of thousands of spaces or tens of thousands of desks, but the employer is only getting one bill. Um, so that's really, really popular. But for uh, the more traditional membership role, people are still finding spaces online, on websites, on all these different uh, discovery channels, um, feeling out one or two or three over a few months period and then finding their home um, if they're looking for that that hot, that fixed desk um, as a more permanent basis. Interesting. I thought that would be really down to like cost and location still, certainly because we've got inflation, lots of other things going on. Um, but not just that, I thought because of the non-traveling in, but you still kind of want a bit different scenery, people would really focus on their local areas. So it's quite interesting that they're sort of testing out a few areas. What do you think in the next sort of 12 to 24 months are the trends we're going to be seeing in specifically co-working? Um, I think we're going to see more town centres bring in co-working, especially in the UK. Um, we're going to see more uh, retail slash co-working uh, campaigns or, or projects. Um, we're seeing, you know, Saks partnering up with Convene. Um, we're seeing, I think we're also going to see a lot more interesting models um, that may be co-working or co-working adjacent. We're seeing new startups that are sharing people's kitchen tables. We're seeing uh, new startups that are sharing um, underutilized offices, which is not strictly co-working, but it's still shared workspace. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more of that. And of course, there's this huge category of co-working for X, co-working for healthcare, co-working for biolabs, co-working for uh, storage, um, a whole bunch of these different adjacent verticals that are all growing up alongside co-working. Oh, you've gone into two different questions there, which I'm going to ask you a little bit later, but um, very, very interesting points. Um so from the perspective of the next 12 to 24 months, what advice do you have for people when they're looking for the right co-working space for them? Definitely try more than one out. Um, that's probably my number one recommendation. There, there are so many different flavors of co-working right now. I'm going to use co-working as a broad term. There's so many flavors of flex workspace right now um, that you're spoiled for choice. Um, try out the local community spaces try uh, or independent spaces, try out maker spaces, um, try out the large brands, uh, find where you feel most comfortable to do your best work and let everything else fall around that. Um, but also feel free to ask about flexibility. See if you can find a co-working space that's near your kid's school if you need to pick them up on Mondays and Fridays. Um, but then on you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe there's a better space near your house or in the city center where you have to meet clients that has great meeting rooms. So think about how you want to leverage flexible space as opposed to who you want to pay for a membership. That's a, a really good way to think about how you can get the most from this these big shifts that are happening in co-working to build your life around, build your work around life as opposed to building your life around work. 
that has been echoed a couple of times for our other guests on Mouthwash this season. And one I think will come up more as we go on. We've got some interesting topics where that will be agreed with. Um, you mentioned before uh, companies who may have had some extra space. Um, do you think they should be thinking about opening their own co-working options or is it more hassle than it's worth for them? Um, that's an interesting question, right? Because when it comes to, pro if, you're, if you're providing space, you're essentially providing a service. Um, and if you're not going to be able to provide, especially in, in a competitive city like, you know, city of London or Manhattan, um, if you're not going to be providing amenities and uh, community managers and separate internet connections and all of that, I don't think you should compete or consider yourself competing by opening a co-working space, but, you know, hosting a startup that makes sense uh, that could collaborate with you or hosting some freelancers is not a bad way to cover a bit of costs, but also bring in really creative people into your space to mix with your team and mix with your business. Um, I definitely wouldn't recommend launching a co-working space on a whim, um, even though there's a lot of tech and there's a lot of really great functionality now to help running spaces. It is a separate business. Um, so I would definitely caution um around just launching a co-working space for the sake of launching one. I mean, ultimately, a lot of these businesses that are struggling at the moment, it's because of the, well, with what to do with their offices, but also generally, you know, space, it's because of the leases that they have. Uh, the argument is if you could sublet um, space to a number of people, not just an office, you know, who want to maybe it for a year and that sort of thing, you could maybe create an accelerator or something like that. Do you see that, you know, in that sort of scenario that it could be worth people's time? Um, yeah, I mean, if it's purely to cover the cost and to, to connect with the local, uh, creatives or people who are in some interesting, could be worth the time, but there, that, that's where we go back into the differentiation between a shared workspace or a shared office and a co-working space. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it's, it's interesting. It's sort of like, there are clear delineations between like shared office space. I, it's an office. It's not like the general public can come in and buy a desk for 50, 50 quid a day. I think the, the flexi office thing I think is cute, but I don't, I think people will want more. I think right now that works financially, but also people are a bit skittish about staying in one place and that sort of stuff. But um, the co-working space seems to, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen a lack of innovation from them over the last two, three years when they've had literally all the time in the world. Um, a lot have obviously gone away. New ones have sprung up. WeWork's doing all right. We'll talk about WeWork a bit later. What do you think the co-working spaces have learned during the pandemic? I, mean, I think a lot, a lot of them have put a lot of effort into things that probably aren't obvious on the surface. So retooling, um, implementing new layers of tech, new ways for members to interact with the space, better door access. Um, a lot of folks have also reshuffled how their insurance works, how their cleaning works, how do they maintain a clean, safe um, and respectable environment? How do they improve the internet security? There's a huge you know, cyber war going on right now. These are all things that uh, operators have been working on whilst their spaces have been a little bit better. Um, so I wouldn't say that they haven't innovated. I just think that it's not really forward uh, facing uh, or client facing, but they are client benefiting. Um, yeah.
Okay. Um, well, let's talk about the clients at the moment. Um, competition for residents probably going to be increasing um, as people start thinking about how they work now, in the future, and the world's opening back up in a lot of places, not in everywhere. Um, what's your advice, though, for co-working spaces? What should they be focusing on right now? Right now is uh, focusing on who they want to serve. There are so many markets right now looking at flexible workspaces or flexible work strategies or hybrid work strategies. Um, understanding the type of member you're building your space for is the best way to secure sustainability. Uh, knowing that you are going to serve someone who is looking for a one six month term um, is going to be there all the time, or someone who is, or the, the community who is looking for other peer support, um, or you're serving corporate uh, with on demand access, meeting rooms, and catering for their meetings. Uh, each of those have slightly different nuances in the business model. They have different ways of servicing. They're all hospitality, but they do not serve the same, or at least very different co working clientele. Um, and that is really, really important to understand because if you chase every, if you try and you know eat every bone, you're going to drop them back. You're going to drop them all, right? Um, so you've got to figure out who your space is for, and then double down on telling that story, uh, promoting that message. Um, because yeah, there's there's a huge spike in demand coming. There is one now, um, but. If you if you try and serve everyone, you're going to serve no one. What are we What are we seeing globally though? Name some of the brands that Western uh, nation people might not uh, know that are doing some interesting things. Um, I was reading about Andworks in Shibuya, Japan, which uh, is inside a hotel that allows people to use proper beds that they want to take naps on. Um, what What other sort of innovation are you seeing that you know we might want to bring over here that could be trends of the future? Um, so we're seeing a lot, a lot of combinations with with hotels, which is always interesting. Um, I know that uh, Accor has their Woco group, I believe it's called. Um, they have are doing pop up uh, spaces in all the hotels. Um, we're seeing pop up spaces in airports um, and in transport hubs, um, both for single person and teams. Um, we're also seeing um, some really interesting innovation over in. Uh, trying to remember the name of it now, uh, over in Asia where they're doing uh, pop-up spaces in residential buildings. Um, that's also something that's growingly increasingly popular here in New York. We're seeing um, developers like Silverstein and Devora adding co-working spaces into their ground floors of their residential buildings, which are ordinarily harder to fill um, with tenants on, on the street level. Uh, other than that, we are seeing Hmm, I'm trying to think of what would be out of the box thinking. Um, there is quite a few. I'm just uh, drawing blanks. Um, I'm trying to think what I would sort of put into a co-working space to make it unique, if that makes sense. When I think of co-working, I think of four. I think of WeWork. I think of those sorts of ones. When I've done the research, it doesn't look like there's much delineation between the lot, except for, oh, we have these amenities or we use these products and that sort of stuff. So it's it's sort of like what, what agrees with your lifestyle or your business needs. But I, I find it really interesting on a couple of levels for co-working when it comes to things like um, niches that people have picked. So um, I'm thinking about the wing in LA that was specifically for women. Um, no more, obviously they've gone under. Um, do you think that you mentioned before, find your niche and go after it, but is that really a good 
good idea right now surely it should be like please jesus come to us um you know and then, and then sort of create something but i i can see it from both sides but what, what's the numbers showing us does sort of having that you know hi we're all the same people in the same place does that really help people Oh, I don't think it's it's that kind of nature. I mean, there is that. There is, I mean, there is a space in the U.S. that is just for adult entertainers. Very niche, very specific. Um, however, there is, when I mentioned earlier, pick who you want to serve, it's more of the type of clientele. So uh, the right. drop-in corporate worker or the more full-time um, team or startups or health tech or knowing sort of what, type of buying persona they have is going to allow you to put together a better offering um, as opposed to saying that this space is only for you know people building online marketing technology uh, that is too niche if you ask me um, whereas runway east for example in in the uk were very focused for a long time on high growth e-commerce companies they've now spread that to you know, high growth and tech companies, as opposed to just that focus on, uh, on just e-commerce high growth companies. Um, we're seeing same things with Huckle Tree. Very, very focused on the creative vibe, the creative types of businesses that they want to approach and and attract. Um, and they're doing really, really well with that with that model. Um, even though it's it's a it's a niche of all the flex work um, possible clientele. They're doing really, really well by focusing on that that vibe, that feeling that they provide. God, when I first walked into a huckle tree, I thought I was in a, an adult playground. It was there was a tent, there was a skate park, <laughs> there was lots of stuff, and I, I I didn't know what I was walked into. It was loud, <laughs> but there, the energy of the place was really, really interesting. And I think that's kind of um, the the uh, what's called it the, the the vision that people have in their heads is that you know it's it's sort of uh, a playground of sorts and that but the average co-working space now is much more sedate much more um focusing i've found that's one thing i have seen walking going around different ones we works and everyone um people seem to be a little less sort of like fast-paced hustle culture with neon on the walls and they've sort of taken a lot of that down and saying like it's time to relax chill we know you've been traumatized for three years and that sort of stuff so quite interesting yeah. i think when you think when you of go, yeah. oh sorry I was going to say, it's also that we're seeing more maturity in the co-working world, right? We're seeing um, a shift from, uh, let's say, beer on tap to we now also offer, you know, free hygiene products in all the bathrooms as well as uh, maternity suites. Um, well, not maternity suites, but, you know, rooms for, for, for um, mothers who need to pump, etc. Cracky, uh, so I was going to say, no babies delivering in WeWork, Jesus. Yeah, that would be a very different uh, kind of delivery room. But no, it's, it's, it's definitely a focus and we're seeing the shift. We're seeing entire floors being turned into deep focus rooms we're, or deep focus areas. Um, we're seeing more and more innovation in sound insulation. So how do we make the pain points of a co-working space less of a concern and still allow people to use the space to actually run businesses? Um, and so that is definitely... Uh, a category to keep looking at um it, it's a set an area that i'm fascinated by is how do we use the same four walls to but to create very welcoming um and inclusive spaces for a whole range of different people who need to get work done and they pick that space 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I, in preparation for this, I went to five very different spaces to work last week and I started writing down like what the, the common attributes were and that. And the one that I found lacking was anything to do with creativity. You know, you've got your some people have sentences on the wall. Some people say, um, you know, go here if you want to be creative. We've got a library. Um, but there is nowhere just like a white box where you can go with pens and just scribble on walls and that sort of stuff. And it make, got me thinking, I was like, is the co-working space or flexi work space, however you want to say it, is it basically the, the, the white box that a lot of companies are going to need when they need to bring a lot of people together that may not have an office anymore? Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely an element of that, but there are definitely still a lot of creative focused spaces. Um, if you want to find them, look up wherever ad agencies are renting their offices from. Um, they're probably most focused, especially the smaller studios um, in like Manchester and London. Um, they will most times be based in those more creative hub type spaces, as opposed to the folks who are interested in renting four to three thousand desk flex suites okay um creativity could be it but what do you think is going to be the killer feature for co-working spaces that keeps them relevant in three to five years i think it's going to be a mix i think it's definitely going to be improved accessibility uh for people who just want to use space differently i think we're going to see that as as a huge feature being able to pop in help out access amenities without worrying about long-term um, contracts is probably going to be a really interesting piece. Um, but I think it's also going to be this, the ability for specific communities to address the loneliness epidemic or pandemic. Um, there's so many people, especially over the last three-ish three years and maybe even longer before that, who just haven't found their place um, or who, where they feel comfortable to be during the day um, and creating communities that foster inclusion, diversity, equity. Um, these are going to change the way that communities and neighborhoods come together and work and build businesses. Um, and so there's gonna be a lot, there's a lot of impact that's still gonna be made by co-working spaces in smaller communities who are focused on the personal level um, and pathetically designed to, you know, support people who need human connection um and i can't under underplay that it's going to be a huge uh sector of co-working for at least the next two decades that's really interesting and it's almost like you knew the next question was coming up but you mentioned the c-word community a couple of times already the thing i hear time and time again during before still to this day some I heard last week when I went to the um, co-working spaces is that they don't have, they, they say they do, but they don't have communities. So i.e. those sort of um, feelings, the groups, the sort of mini events that people do and that sort of stuff is great, but there's no real community. There's no real pulling together, helping each other and that. It sounds like you wouldn't agree with that statement, but why, why do you think, let's assume you do. Why do, why is it so difficult for them? Um, we have we have to remember the backdrop of 2020, right? Um, there is still a bit of hesitation around how how can you bring people together? Um, do people want to break bread and, and do lunch and learns? Do they want to communicate? Um, as well as the fact that with this surge of corporate and government workers, a lot of the people in co-working spaces are there because it's their job to be there. 
And it's really difficult to build a culture between different companies' cultures. Um, and that for especially spaces where they are serving the uh, more corporate side of co-working or flex, it's really difficult to bring those people together unless you've got a fantastic set or group of community managers who take the time to understand who the people are regardless of where they work and rebuild connections and community around that. Now, that is definitely being done. It's really hard to find those people, especially when you have to keep in mind that most spaces are coming out of two years of being in the red um, and probably don't have enough staff. So it lands up with a community manager spending a lot of time sitting and copy pasting things from one website to another or one Excel sheet to another. Um, then having to go find out where the toilet paper is and make sure that that is packed. So if they're doing all of these things, it's really difficult to also build that community side. So as, as the, the market matures and more and more demand comes in, I think we are going to start seeing a lot more uh, flexibility for these community managers to go back to what they were great at to building those personal connections, to putting on events, or at least inspiring members to put on events, because that's what worked really, really well a couple of years ago when the spaces were very, very community-driven, was that most of the events were actually hosted and put on by members of the co-working spaces um, and were just facilitated by the community manager, as opposed to events put on by the space for the members. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned a lot of roles which sort of intermingle and have been pushed together. And I think the, the co-working spaces that are smarter are starting to, well, either have never done that or are pulling them apart and saying, actually, the thing which keeps us together is everybody loving our space. And that means I've got to know that Johnny uh, needs a PR person and that Danny is a PR person or Danny knows a PR person and that sort of stuff. And it's almost like that has to be a walking black book of who's at the space. Um it's so important, I think, to do referrals and sort of keep those. A lot of people have said um, weak ties have just gone, right? That's what they've lost over the last two or three years. And I think co-working spaces have the ability to to bring those back quite interesting or build even fresh ones and that sort of stuff. And nobody, I don't think, is doing it right. Nobody out there has any job descriptions which um, really talk to what a community manager does. They've done what you've said and they said, oh, they're a social media person. They do the events and that. And that's part of it. But it, I, I think more than anything it needs to be a very defined role that's almost like front of house mixed with little black book which is networking really and i, I never see the word networking in job descriptions when it comes to co-working yeah definitely i think i think you, you you've you've hit the, the point right on the head and it's it's also the fact that it's not just uh you know danny needs someone from pr um that's very business orientated and that works really really well for entrepreneurial communities but as you've got more corporate and really large spaces with loads of employees from different businesses, where it gets really interesting is seeing spaces organize, you know, fiber sites between the different companies or uh, bowling tournaments or things that are not strictly work related, but connect humans as individuals, regardless yeah. of where you work. Um, and the other thing is people who work in co-working spaces because they have to, because their their boss or employer put them there don't really want to hang out there after they've finished their work day. Um, and so it's, it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of really talented community managers to create a community, even though this is a place of work. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely tough. I think that's a good point that most people want to leave work behind. That that sort of delineation between work and home definitely has become stronger for a lot of um, people that I've spoken with or businesses that I work with. That's one thing they've been very sort of conscious of is we must leave them alone at certain times. So that's definitely interesting. Um, all right, I'm conscious of time. Let's um, plough on. We work. I'm sure you get asked all the time. Um, how are they doing at the moment? I mean, I definitely can't speak into their company and uh, their internal culture. Um, I am uh, one of the many who watch the We Crashed uh, show on uh, on TV, but from, <laughs> an from an observer's perspective, um, they have done a lot of things really, really well. A lot of people who worked at WeWork or work at WeWork are really passionate about what they're doing um, and they're, 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 uh, the communities that they're building. Now, as a business, their recent strategic moves, um, they are, they, they've invested it in a company called Upflex. They uh, recently announced a deal with Yardi. Um, they're doubling down on their tech offering, but also doubling down on their network. Um, they're becoming more asset light. Um, I preface this with, I am not a financial advisor. Do not take this as financial um, advice, but I think that they are, they're on a path towards profitability. Now, how long they will get there? Um, they have got huge liabilities um, that are still on their balance sheet. They're losing vast amounts of money still, um, but I wouldn't count them out just yet. No, I definitely don't think you can count them out. They, they've definitely, um, you know, forged a name for themselves, rightly and wrongly. Um, well, let's ask that direct question. What's your take on whether we work are now a help or a hindrance in the co-working world? Do you think they've tarnished the whole industry or they're still the people that took it to public awareness? Uh, yeah, this is a conversation that's come up quite a few times on, on Clubhouse, so the room that surrounds our um, my, my newsletter every Friday. Um, and I do think that there is a lot to be said with WeWork making co-working trendy or at least making the idea of flexible workspace acceptable to a lot of massive corporates um, and to a lot of investors as well. Um, yes, there's a lot of things that went wrong, but it wasn't strictly on the fact that co-working doesn't work um, or that, you know, communities don't need these spaces or that um, there isn't, you know, it isn't a good business model, but it has had spillouts and there is a lot of internal debate within the community, within the co-working world about, you know, retaking the word co-working and showing the outside world what co what differentiates co-working from flex um, and from, you know, other types of commercial real estate. But I, yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult to say whether they were, they, I mean, it, it definitely helped initially and a lot of folks who had to first explain, uh, you know, every time they went to a co-working conference in another country, what co-working was at the at, at the um, at the airport to get into the country. When they were asked what they do, now they don't have to do it. Um, they don't have to explain to new clients or investors or new landlord partners what co-working is. So that's definitely been a, a boost. Um, it also allows you know for an easy conversation, like we're like like sort of. We're like Google for, we're like Airbnb for, we're like WeWork but X or for Y. Um, it's definitely been used quite a bit. 
um, and that just makes it easier to understand. I mean, I wouldn't use it myself, but it's it's definitely been used. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's a sort of bad taste in the mouth when people say it. I must admit, just that's just anecdotally. I have no data to back it up, but um, I'd definitely be interested in knowing where their brand sort of sits on some um, some polling. If anyone has any data out there, please send it, and I will share it around. Um, were you've said you're watching the the show like uh, many millions on apple tv um adam newman is now out of WeWork, and he got one and a half billion dollars richer because of it he also still owns around two billion i think it is in WeWork stock um he recently purchased 17 million um dollars worth of ground floor real estate in fort lauderdale florida um and he also bought two high-rise apartment buildings in near miami do you think he's going to relaunch Go Live, the uh, co-living experience he was trying out right at the end before he got shoved out? Uh, you mean We Live? Um, see, I, I don't know. Before Adam created WeWork, he was looking at creating community living. Um, so he might be moving back towards that. Um, I know that there was a, uh, a little bit of a uh, non-compete um, as part of his 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 step away from WeWork, um, but I mean, co living is is a massively growing parallel uh, market to co co working. So it's it's highly likely that we are going to see some moves from Newman. I know he's also uh, now uh, investing. Um, I know that he's also uh, advising startups. So um, I don't think it's the last we've seen of him. Mm. Um, we've touched on co-living there. Um, it's an experiment. Well, I mean, it's it's a business now. It was an experiment, but I guess it's a business now um, that I've been a part of. I lived at a place called The Collective, now sadly no more due to the pandemic, um, where I lived in a tiny space in a very high-rise building in Canary Wharf, which is uh, East London. Um, but it had amazing community areas, beautiful furniture and that thing. Just your room is tiny and you have a kitchen. You can cook in there or you can cook uh, together. Um, it was... It also had a co-working space in it, which was quite interesting, I found. Um, not massive, but just, you know, this is the place where you can really do some focus work. Um, or, as I called it, the place where the printer is. Um, do you think co-living is going to uh, excite some larger companies who might have, say, global real estate? Or do you think it's more of a fad still? Um, I, uh, that's a great question. And, I mean, I, I love the fact that you live in Canary Wharf. I used to live um, on uh, by Cuddy Sark, so really close to Canary Wharf. Um I think with co-living, we're, we're going to see really interesting moves. Um, it's very close to student living, but it's also very close to corporate housing. Um, if you can get a well-managed uh, co-living brand to support the corporate workers who maybe have to, uh, who are moving or running specific projects for companies in specific regions, um, that might be a really interesting play. I do think that there is a bit more maturity that's coming into the co-living um, sector. Um, I've not dabbled enough in co-living myself to have an expert opinion or even have any opinion really on um, the sustainability of those models. Mm. It, it was really interesting. It was a good experiment. I was never meant to stay there more than a month, but I ended up staying three months um, just because of the pandemic. So it's quite interesting. Um, okay, final question before we go to Desert Island Tweets. I'm asking everyone um, this season what their take is on the metaverse and the future of work. Uh, are we going to be avatars floating between virtual offices or do you still think buying uh, stock in Zoom is a great idea? It's a great question. Um, I, I'm a big believer in, in Web3 and the idea of blockchains and NFTs. Um, the metaverse 
in particular, what, what are we doing right now? Um, how is this different um, other than us, you know, directing an avatar instead of talking into our phones? Um, I think there's still a lot of growth that needs to happen in um, Metaverse to make it more useful, I would say. Uh, but there is some great innovation happening already. Um, I look at a screen way too much already uh, doing code and, uh, and doing emails. Um, so I can't imagine immersing myself anymore. Um, I think my, my family would disown me. Um, but I can see the merits of it with regards to remote working. Um, I just think that it's still at a phase where it's more distraction than beneficial. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, uh, as ever, we end with Desert Island Tweets. That's the part of Mouthwash where a guest picks uh, a tweet or two that's changed their mind or way of thinking in some way. Um, so turn your attention to The Nest. And Hector has picked uh, this tweet by David Spinks. Uh, and if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at David Spinks, S-P-I-N-K-S. Uh, and it reads, communities that were acquired by tech companies, at CMX by Bevy HQ, Indie Hackers by Stripe, Product Hunt by AngelList, Sales Hacker by Outreach.io, Rising Tides OC uh, by Honeybook. We're going to see a lot more community acquisitions in the next few years. Hector, why did you pick this one? Uh, firstly, because it was posted in 2020. Um, and it was at a time where community was really, really important, not only for humans, but for businesses where they couldn't really meet in person anymore. Um, but also because it's it's a shift we're still seeing. We're still seeing companies and co-working spaces trying to understand how to build a community, as you said, rightly so, that it's a really difficult thing to do. So seeing large, traditionally not, not, not community-driven companies like Stripe is a payment processor acquiring a community um, and enacting and empowering that community to keep growing whilst under the Stripe banner is really interesting moves, um, even though that was, you know, back in 2020. Very cool. Okay. Uh, that is a wrap on episode nine of season four. My thanks uh, to Hector for uh, exploring co-working, co-living as well, we touched on, um, and also where the future of uh, FlexiWorks going. Um, I think it's a really interesting area that I think a lot of people have started to look in or maybe dabbled in and need to reevaluate. So that's why I wanted it on the future of work. And uh, obviously, make sure that you uh, sign up to the newsletter. Um, Hector, what's the URL um, that they can get you at? That's uh, thisweekincoworking.com. There you go. Super simple from the man himself. Um, any final words of advice uh, for listeners, uh, Hector, about anything? It can be life, can be co-working, whatever you want. Um, yeah, just, just, just find, find time and space for you to do your best work. That is the number one thing that I can recommend to everyone, whether you're listening, hosting. There is so much choice find your space, find your community, find where you feel comfortable to work and you'll be much thankful for it. Brilliant, brilliant. We have got a packed week next week um, with multiple uh, speakers 
check out mouthwashshow.com and you will uh, find all of them that are upcoming there. Or save yourself the bother and just head over to mouthwash.norby.live and you'll get a text so you never miss a minute. Uh, Mouthwash is produced by Suze and the big team at Big Ten Media. As always, uh, everything Mouthwash, even the text alerts can be found over at mouthwashshow.com. That's mouthwashshow.com. I'm a firm believer that you do not remember the days, we remember the moments, and I hope this has been one for you. I am Paul Armstrong. This is Mouthwash. Listen in again soon for more fresh chat that leaves you more confident. Thanks for listening to Mouthwash. Please share it in a network you trust and check out our sponsors. Season 4 of Mouthwash was sponsored by Workplace by Meta. The easy-to-use features at Workplace help people work together in new ways. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. That's workplace.com forward slash human. Have a great day.